This morning, as Pastor Juan mentioned, everybody that you've met this morning, one of the things they did was a Discover DAC class. When we have those two or three times a year, um, immediately after a Sunday morning service, we have a sandwich lunch, and then we go straight into the class, which is a four-hour time. So it's, a, it's, it's, it's an enjoyable day for me. It's a demanding day. Um, three sermons and then a four-hour teaching session all together. And it, but I'm always energized by it. My wife says that my calling is to be the mouthpiece of the body of Christ. So that's always, always fun. But, but I want to give you just a snapshot this morning of part of what, what they discover in that Discover DAC class and how that is relevant for all of us. And like I say, this is just a snapshot but it's, it's sort of the essence of what we talk about. And one of the first things and one of the components we talk about are purpose, process, and product. Christ's purpose for DAC, Christ's process through DAC, and Christ's product in DAC. And the first one is purpose, which is really answering the question, why are we here? I mean, why does God leave the church on the earth? Why does God allow DAC to exist and us to be a part of that. And, and the analogy there is, you know, the bottom line, and I always use with the folks in the class, I use a, an illustration with, with Walmart Corporation. I have no idea how many employees Walmart has, but I'm sure that worldwide it numbers in the hundreds of thousands. That's not a stretch at all. And on the same, in the same vein, there are probably almost as many different job descriptions you know, in terms of that vast company, all the different jobs that people do uh, that you would never even think of. I've, I've got a cousin, for example, who uh, is an attorney. He actually went to Stetson Law School, um, just a coincidence, but he's an attorney with Walmart in, where is it, Bentonville, Arkansas, I think their headquarters. But his, but his area of specialty is environmental protection agency laws. So, and Walmart actually has somebody employed that's an attorney that helps them be in compliance with the EPA. I mean, who would dream that, you know, when you go in Walmart to buy something that somewhere that's in the works? But I'm just using that to illustrate the variety and the complexity of how many jobs. But no matter how many jobs they got in Walmart, there's an ultimate bottom line as to why they have that job and why that job exists and what Walmart's purpose is. Because no matter what you do and how disconnected it may seem to buying that item you pick off the shelf in Walmart, the bottom line is if Walmart doesn't make a profit, they don't have a job. And everybody in that company, if they don't, they should know that, right? Because... The bottom line is they exist to make a profit. Well, in the church, there are all kinds of things that happen and all kinds of things that go on. But what's the bottom line? I mean, what, what is God's bottom line for the body of Christ, for the church? Well, we don't have to wonder about that in terms of Jesus' last words recorded in the Bible after uh, he resurrected and before he ascended to heaven. One of the best known re records of that is in 
Matthew 28, where it says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So the idea there is Jesus says, Go out and make other disciples. Your disciples help other people become disciples. Initiated by their commitment to Jesus expressed in baptism, and from there it doesn't end, it just starts because you're to be taught to obey everything that I said. And you're to live and be a model of me. We'll talk more of that later on. But the point is, that's what's recorded in Matthew as the last words of Jesus given. And he obviously had more times that he gave last words before he ascended Mark, because Mark says it this way. Go into all the world and preach the good news to the whole creation. So that's, that's what Mark had to say. And then in Luke it says, and repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. And then John says it this way. Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And then in Acts, which chronologically is probably actually the last thing he said, because right after he says this, the Bible records that he ascended back into heaven on the Mount of Olives. And it's really not a command, it's a prophecy. Jesus says, But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The idea here being this, that Jesus repeats himself. It's different terminology, different phrasing, but it's the same message, is it not? It's the same emphasis. What Jesus repeatedly says is essentially, I want you who are my disciples to help other people who aren't my disciples discover who I am like you did, and they too would become my disciples. Spread the news about me and the ability of people to have the same experience you've had of becoming my disciples. Now, the guy that God used to help found the movement of which we're a part, the Christian Missionary Alliance, A.B. Simpson, said it this way. He is representing us in heaven, and our one business is to represent him on earth. So the idea is this. If you think of all the things that the church does, but all the different things that happen in the life of the church all the variety of things that are done or can be done. I'm not aware of anything the church does that can't be better done in heaven except help people who don't know him come to know him. The one thing we will not be able to do in heaven that we're uniquely able to do on earth is help people come to know Jesus as their Messiah, Savior. 
And I think this is reinforced in the Bible. You know, there's so much talked about about Bible prophecy and about events, and especially with all the chaos in the world, and like even right now, the war in the Middle East, Israel, with all these um, continued attempts to, to annihilate the Jewish people and, um, and, and the responses to that, and then the other events going on around. You know, there's always the attempt to always to, to speculate, really, are, are these the things that the Bible talks about that are characteristic prophecies of the end times? I can tell you the one prophecy in the Bible that is crystal clear about why Jesus has not returned to the earth. Matthew records Jesus saying it. Peter says it in chapter 3 of 2 Peter, is that everybody who needs to hear about him hasn't heard and hasn't made a decision to follow him. The essential prophecy for the return of Christ is the completion of the spreading of the news of Jesus to the whole world. I personally believe, as you've heard me preach before, I believe that it's not, not just Gentiles, but particularly Jewish people to know the truth about Jesus. And I don't have time to unpack that. That's a different sermon. But the bottom line is this, is the spreading of the good news of Jesus is that which is the key ultimately to the return of Jesus. I'm saying all this to say that I believe that's our purpose. Our purpose is, in the words of David Rambo, the late David Rambo, former leader of our movement, the Christian Missionary Alliance, I heard him say in 1991 in a meeting I was in with him, and he said, it's as simple as this. Everybody needs to know who Jesus is. That's why the church exists. And it's not just people who don't know Jesus it's you. You need to know who Jesus is. We'll get to that when we talk about process. But I will tell you, you don't know Jesus as well as you need to. In fact, eternity will be getting to know him better and more. Why? Because we're finite, he's infinite. We're finite, he's infinite. You don't know nearly as much about Jesus as you need to know the reason I'm fascinated by one of many reasons I'm fascinated by him is he always surprises me and, and I am always learning new truth about him that I never knew before. And the more you get to know him, the closer you are able to follow him and imitate him and as a result, fulfill his purposes for your life. Now, that being said, is our purpose is everybody's... Well, that's great to have that purpose, but how do you get there? How do you get there? Well, you've got to have a process. Our, our music team led us this morning um, to sing and praise God, and we had instrumentalists and singers, uh, all kinds of different instruments being played. Would you believe me if I told you that every one of our instrumentalists until they walked up here this morning and picked up their instrument, they had never played that one time in their life. This was their first go at it. Would you believe me if I told you? No, obviously you wouldn't. Right? I mean, they've been playing and practicing forever. Pastor Carly, how long have you been playing the keyboards? 
since since yay big <laughs> you're 11 years old right right and 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 my point is and you it's obvious is that there's there's a, a goal in mind that that we have everybody needs to know who jesus is but how how do we do our part in that how do we accomplish that well we've got to have a process just like an instrumentalist has to have a process by which they train and learn to play the guitar we have to work at getting to know jesus better and so how do we get there well succinctly put and i'm leaving out a lot of information for purposes of condensing but the process is that all the ministries of the church enhance the ability of believers to become a full-grown follower of christ in other words whatever we do in all of the various multifaceted things that happen in this congregation god's purpose for your life is that you become like jesus the Bible is clear, crystal clear about that. And we're going to reinforce that in just a minute with something Jesus says. But the idea is that everything we do as a church, my prayer is that God will use it to help you and me and us become more like Jesus. That, that's, that's a prayer. Because the, the, way, the way that we're going to be effective in fulfilling our purpose is the more we're like Jesus the easier it is for us to reveal him to others in our interaction with them now full-grown follower of Christ I'm going to borrow another definition from Dan Spader who says a full-grown follower of Christ is someone who reflects both the character who they are and the priorities what they do of Jesus in their daily lives character and priorities character that's what you do when nobody is watching you want to know who you really are what do you do when nobody is there but you and what's the priority of your life at that time that's who you really are character is what you do when actually God is watching and to have character is to know God is watching <laughs> you know what what do you watch on TV when you're by yourself and nobody else is around what will you allow ourselves to watch on TV how, how do we make decisions if we know or we think I say we know that's that's a wrong statement we think there aren't any repercussions. That's who we really are. That's character. Priorities are how do we make daily decisions about values and priorities in our life. I, I know, I, I've shared this before. Some of you may remember, but it made such an impact on me. And, I, I'm, and I'm not advocating this. I'm just using it as an illustration because it's, it's a personal thing. But I remember one time talking to a man who said that he and his wife went to the grocery every day and bought the food they needed just for that day. Every morning they went to the grocery store and bought what they were going to eat that day. They went home and they ate it, you know, went back to the grocery the next day. Well, he's got my attention at this point because I think, man, that's weird. 
and, and I said to him, I said, so pray tell, you know, help me understand. He said, well, we have a burden to get to know the people who work in the grocery store because we don't know if they need the Lord or not. And the only way for us to do that is to become familiar with them and them with us. So we, we just do that as a matter of choice every day so we can have a chance to develop a relationship with the employees in our local grocery store to find out where they are with the Lord and how we can be a, an, an influence for Christ in their life. Well, how are you going to argue with that? My point is, we buy groceries for more than one day. Okay? I eat more than one day's worth of groceries typically in a day. But that being said, that being said, I'm using that as, as a classic example of how do we make decisions, what are our priorities every day about what we do, where we go, and how does that figure in to even the minutia of our life as to what it means for Christ and His kingdom. You see, that's a full-grown follower. And Jesus says in Luke 640, look at this line, read it with me. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his disciple, or like his teacher. The idea is that what we're, our goal is to be like Jesus. And, and that feeds right into the product. When we own the purpose that we exist to, to, to help everybody, even ourselves, know Jesus better, and we want everything we do to help us know Jesus better, what will he do with that? that that's the product. Purpose, help everybody know who Jesus is. Process, that all the ministries be designed to enhance the abilities Believers become a full-grown follower of Christ. What will he do with that? Well, he will fulfill Acts 1.8. Read it with me. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. 2006, we moved here, started to serve in Deltona. My prayer to God, God, give me a verse that encapsulates what you want to do with us here at DAC, how you want to use us. And several weeks went by, several weeks, and I was praying. And then one day, the Lord just quickened Acts 1-8 to my heart, and he said, this is what I'm going to do. And so I did a deep dive into that verse, and the first thing that I, I realized, it's a prophecy, it's not a command, there's not an imperative in the whole verse. Nothing that tells us anything to do. Jesus says, here's what I'm going to do, and here's the effect it's going to have on you. And he says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And what, what will that do? The Holy Spirit brings Jesus to us and helps us be like Jesus so that he takes over and, and gives us his values. As we, as we dig into God's Word, as we obey Him, as we serve Him, the Spirit of God helps us become more and more like Jesus. So that we're witness. What's a witness? A witness is a person who gives evidence in a court of law, right? So that people can reach a verdict. Well, a witness is somebody that gives evidence of something that's real. The more we're like Jesus, the more we embrace the process and become like Jesus, 
the easier it is for him to impact other people through us. I, I love telling this account. Some of you have heard me share it before, but it, it again, it deserves... When you, when you keep a preacher 17, 18 years, you're going to hear it twice. Jesus repeated himself, okay? Just Rick, get it. Jesus repeated himself. But I, I'll never forget the story. I love the story of Rich Freeman. Rich is vice president of Chosen People Ministries. And he tells the story of how he came to trust uh, Jesus as Messiah. He was working in a business in New York City, had a colleague come that was employed by his company, a fellow had moved there from Texas, and they worked together for several months. And finally, the guy never said a word about Jesus, not one word about Jesus, the guy moved from Texas. And finally, Rich says to him, he says, man, I, there is something different about you. I just don't get it. I don't get it. I, I'm, I'm not sure, but there's something about you that's different than everybody else around here. Well, the guy, obviously, you know, that's like put it on a tee and put it in front of you, right? The guy says, what's different about me, Rich, is Jesus Christ. I, I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus, the Messiah. And Rich said, my reaction was, oh, don't talk to me about that. I'm Jewish. I don't have anything to do with that. Don't talk to me. Well, he's not a prophet because today, Rich is vice president of Chosen People Ministries, one of the most effective ministries to Jewish people in the world. But what was it? It was Christ in that fellow employee and the radiance and the fragrance and the aroma of Christ as he became more like Jesus, that's the fulfillment of Acts 1.8. He was evidence of Jesus in that relationship. And God used that to transform him from the inside out. You see, that's what, that's what Acts 1.8 looks like. And that, that's, that's what we pray that God will do with us to produce... Um, the effect of Acts 1-8 in other people's lives. That Jesus will spread the truth about him to other people through us because we are more and more and more like Jesus and everything our church does helps us fulfill our destiny. Listen to me. You exist. You, God is giving you breath today because he wants you to be like his son. Romans 8, 28 and 29. God calls all things to work good for good to those who love and called according to his purpose. Read 29. That's what the purpose is. That we might be conformed to the image of his son. Everything in our life from God's perspective is designed to make us more like Jesus. Hallelujah. And the way I summarize that in... Acts 1.8 is that we'll brag on Jesus in everything we do because everybody needs to know who Jesus is. In other words, when we're truly living in the power of the Spirit and like Jesus, when people meet us, they won't be impressed with us, they'll be impressed with Jesus. And then when we brag on Jesus, you see, I'm essentially lazy. So if I can do one thing and cover all the bases, I want to do it. You know, when I brag on Jesus to unbelievers, it's evangelism. A friend of mine, Bill Watkins, I'll never forget. Church I pastored in Georgia. The church had a 
barbecue pit that in 1974 cost $10,000. Buddy, I'm going to tell you what. We had a barbecue shed. I'm going to tell you. One day, Bill and I, hot afternoon, we're just sitting out on the porch of the barbecue shed, chewing the fat, so to speak. And Bill said to me something I'll never forget. He said, Brad, I'm convinced that evangelism is nothing but praising God in the presence of unbelievers. Robert Coleman used to go in, in the streets of inner city Chicago and preach the gospel, and he'd be spit on and lambasted, and he said, oh, I'm not there to please the crowds. I'm just there to praise the king. He deserves to be praised everywhere. And when we brag on Jesus to believers, it's encouragement. In other words, when I hear how Jesus has worked in your life, it encourages me. Just this morning at the Deland Campus Service, um, and the elders shared, and um, appreciate Steve sharing this morning, and, and um, our son-in-law Isaac, one of the elders, was sharing at the Deland Campus this morning, and he shared an offertory thought. I had never heard this thing before. He never told me. But there was a time that early on in, in their marriage that he was without a job and needed a job. And that's not a good feeling, right? I'm sure many of us can identify with that. And he was praying one day, and he was praying, Lord, guide me, I need, I need your help. And while he was praying, the phone rang. And it was a guy that he knew, that, and, and here's how much he knew the guy. The guy didn't even know where he lived. And the guy just randomly calls him. And he says, hey, what's up? And he says, hey, man, where do you live? And he said, well, I'm, he gave him the street. He said, no kidding. That's, that's right off the road I'm driving on right now. I'll be there in just a minute. The guy pulls up in his driveway just a couple minutes later and walks up the door, and Isaac goes to the door, and he looks at him. He said, hey, man, I was driving down the road, and God spoke to me, and he told me to give you this. It was a $100 bill. While he prayed... Okay, right? That, I, I told it. that's my son. I, I said, man, you never told me that story. But that encourages me, right? When, when, when you share what he's done, that encourage. So we brag on Jesus to, to believers, it's encouragement. And we brag on Jesus to Jesus, it's praise. See, all I got to do is one thing, and it covers all the bases. And, and the question that, that we need to be confronted with is whatever I say or do going to give someone else the right impression of who Jesus Christ is, what his priorities are for their lives, and what he thinks of them. Jesus' reputation is in our hands. That's what he's left us with. So let's make sure. How, how many of us know somebody that used to go to church and doesn't go to church and their common line is what? Church is full of hypocrites. It's like a buddy of mine says, well, so's the grocery store, brother, but you're still eating. <laughs> but, but, but the point is, let's not give anybody an excuse to not follow Jesus. Let's love people in a way that only Jesus can so nobody is without excuse. So, bottom line, 
Our purpose, everybody needs to know who Jesus is. Process, we want everything to help everybody become like Jesus. And the result of that will be that Jesus will radiate from everything we do and are, and people won't remember us, they'll remember him. Read with me the words of Jesus to his apostle Peter. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Let me tell you something. We are not a human organization. This is a supernatural manifestation of the resurrection of Jesus Christ gathered here today. We are supernaturally existing at the will of God based on the promise and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are a supernatural people. And may not one drop of the blood of Jesus Christ be wasted on us. Do you agree with that? 